Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. Nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hey guys, what's up? It is Thanksgiving week, and I have to confess something to you. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. It's taken this long, 39 years, for me to settle on a specific holiday that I can call my favorite, and it is four days from today, Thanksgiving. <laughs> and uh, finally, I've had a, like enough forethought to have a recipe that is on topic for the week. So we have a Thanksgiving recipe for you this week. And, and it's one that you could pull out of your back pocket for Thanksgiving dinner. And I think everybody will be very impressed with it. And the reason is that depending on what the dish is for Thanksgiving, sometimes, sometimes it's got to be made the way it's always been made. Even if that means, you know, using canned green beans and canned cream of mushroom soup or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, sometimes you they just want a traditional flavor of something. Like you don't want to be the person responsible for mashed potatoes and you show up to Thanksgiving dinner with your, your covered dish and, you know, that little voice in your head is just like, hee, 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 nobody's going to know that it's cauliflower. Everybody's going to know that it's cauliflower, okay? And you're not fooling anybody, even if they don't say something about it, everybody knows that those weren't mashed potatoes, okay? So you can't mess with the mashed potatoes. You don't want to mess with the turkey. I mean, yeah, cooking methods sometimes, you know, maybe we'll do the deep fried turkey. Maybe we'll do a rotisserie turkey. Maybe we'll do a smoked turkey, whatever, whatever, whatever. but it's still, you know, it's a turkey, whatever. But whenever you get into some like really simple sides, there is a big opportunity to elevate the dish to something like uh, this should be this should be the tagline for the podcast something that is greater than the sum of its parts you know if you just marginally increase the quality of all of the what is it three six seven eight eight ingredients if you use really good quality ingredients for those eight things the uh the resulting product is head and shoulders better than what you get out of the blue and yellow box at the gas station what am I talking about? Cornbread, 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 cornbread. This week, we're making a homemade cornbread. You can leave, and when I say blue and yellow box, I'm talking about the Jiffy cornbread. And the reason I say that you can get it at the gas station, because you totally can. Specifically, I believe, I remember uh, the Sunoco in Washington off of Chestnut Street by the Washington Crown Center. I distinctly remember seeing dusty year old boxes of cornbread mix in there for like a dollar 19 or a dollar 29 something like that real cheap but uh we're gonna make cornbread using uh quote-unquote real ingredients like you're gonna have all the in individual ingredients nothing weird oh there's one weird ingredient but you, i trust that you can figure it out okay but before we get into cornbread, let's talk about just corn for a minute, okay? Because corn is, man, corn is crazy. There's some, there are some uh, anthropologists or food writers or history, amateur history, alternative history people who would say 
that corn has done a magnificent job of domesticating human beings because corn used us to propagate itself <laughs> and to diversify its phenotype and all this stuff. And tell you what, corn is amazing. It's, uh, it is to the Americas what rice was to the old world. So corn is the new world version of rice, in my opinion, okay? And where it comes from is this, you know, old native grass that is unremarkable in its appearance. It's called teosinte. And if you had a sprig of it, you would think nothing about it as, as like with a sprig of grass. What is this? Oh, this is, this is the forebearer of one of the most dominant grains on earth. <laughs> and from Teosinte, the, you know, indigenous peoples of central South and North America selectively bred and developed, oh man, so many varieties of maize corn, right? Every color of the rainbow different kernel sizes, kernel densities, cob sizes, um, uh, texture. You have your, you have your, uh, your hard corn, your flint or dent corn versus your sweet corn. And then the corn as a, as a building block for cuisine was used in everything from masa flour for making like tortillas to, you know, popcorn famously. And uh, distilling, you know, like with uh, making bourbon, whiskey. It's a really remarkable grain. And the fact that a lot of people kind of just have this experience with corn now as, you know, yellow sweet corn or, you know, corn on the cob or whatever, is um, it, it, it's sort of an insult to the history of the grain itself and to the, the really varied culinary uses for corn. Okay. So corn, uh, corn bread that we're going to make here, we're going to use, uh, heirloom corn, flint corn, dent corn, you know, the hard, not field corn necessarily. You don't want to go get this out of the silo. Being a, a man of Southwestern Pennsylvania born in the early 1980s, my go-to descriptor of this is Indian corn, which uh, I'm sure is not, is problematic to some degree today, but it, it, that is a phrase. Those are two words that convey exactly what I'm talking about here. You know, they're, it, it's hard, it's dry, it has some fun colors to it, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Decorative corn, hard, dry corn. Before we get into the recipe and the actual like production of the cornbread, uh, how do you how do you obtain the corn that you need to make this? It's obviously way too late. I mean, you're not going to go plant a, a field of glass gem corn or something like this four days before Thanksgiving. So, and it's also not something that you can just probably go to the grocery store and be like, oh, look here, here's this, uh, here's this little niche heirloom variety of corn that was grown in Western North Carolina between 1897 and 1923. You know, that's a little, that's a, it's a tall order. It's not like you get to be really picky in the grocery store looking for your fancy niche ancient corn varietals, right? But, 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 but we can cheat a little bit. If perhaps, you know, we're still in the middle of pumpkin spice season, you know, the fall, theoretically at some, at some vendors, whether it's a grocery store or a hobby store or I don't know, some other, a gas station, maybe, I don't know. You should be able to find some decorative corn cobs and you can shell that corn. You can grind it. We'll talk about that in a moment, but we don't need a whole bunch. 
and it totally is worth finding it and doing this. Okay. Let me tell you, I understand you can go spend $2 at the gas station, crack one egg, mix in a little water, oil, milk. I don't even know what the ingredients are for that. And you can have cornbread in 27 minutes or 35 minutes or whatever, or you can spend just a little bit of time and you can make something that everybody will recognize as cornbread, but they will also recognize that this is a special cornbread. This cornbread is a little extra. And they might even ask you, be like, hey, what was the deal with that cornbread? It seemed it was really good compared to most cornbreads. And then then you get to revel in the uh, in the labor that you undertook to produce such a fantastic bread. <laughs> All right. Go ahead and check out the uh, the show notes for this. We'll have, you know, the specific recipe, um, you know, all the measurements and everything like that. Uh, I'm not going to have any special... Yeah, I'm not going to have any special uh, equipment or ingredients. We've already covered the fact that if you want to do this, you need to find either, either find some whole heirloom decorative, you know, flint corn, or get like a really good package of cornmeal, corn flour. Okay, just like not just like the cheapest yellow corn meal, whatever. Just see what you can find. Find a good one. Okay. Um, I will have the imager album there with some pictures of the production and everything like that. But aside from that, this one's pretty simple. Uh, we will need equal parts cornmeal and all-purpose flour. You do want to like sort of reinforce this bread with some all-purpose flour so that it holds together. Um, this particular recipe, I'm doing one cup of cornmeal, one cup of all-purpose flour. What we did is we shelled I don't know, five or six ears of glass gem corn and then milled that into flour. And then we just kept one cup of that for this recipe. Anything that was left, we put it in the larder. We'll use it for something. So it's not like you have to get like a specific amount of whole corn. Just make sure that you can, whenever you grind this up, it'll produce at least a cup. And then you can scale this recipe up for however much cornbread you need. Now, when it comes to grinding it, now we did use the KitchenAid stand mixer grain mill attachment that I've done, I've used a couple times uh, for different recipes over the past couple months. You don't have to use that. If you, you can just use a blender. I mean, prior to having this grain mill, we would just grind up our flint corn in the blender. Um, it might be a little abrasive on the carafe, like it might you know scratch the inside of the carafe a little bit, but you only have to do it once and then you have, you know, if you do a whole bunch of it, you'll have a bunch of cornmeal to use throughout the year or whatever. Um, but it's, it's not that big of a deal. You can just throw it in the, in the blender, pulse it a few times. Just make sure you get a nice even consistency to it. Like you don't want big chunks of sharp corn stuck in there. Okay. All right. So uh, what are we talking about? Cornmeal and flour, all-purpose flour. Um, basically, you want something that's uh, traditionally glutinous to give this sort of a, a, a spongy, springy, cake-like consistency as opposed to something that'll be super hard and just crumble apart, okay? We're gonna use sugar. Uh, you can use granulated sugar. We use coconut sugar, which does uh, affect or affect, affect, yeah, it affects. <laughs> God, it's late. Oh man, it, it, uh, coconut sugar does affect the color in the finished bread. It'll give it more of a, a golden brown uh, sort of uh, spice cake 
coloration to it. If you use granulated, granulated sugar, you're going to get something a little closer to a tr traditional cornbread. It probably won't end up being as yellow as like the Jiffy kind, depending on what type of corn meal you get. If you get a corn meal that's closer to a white, it's going to be a little bit washed out in the color department, but it's going to dial that flavor up a few extra notches, okay? We're going to need some baking powder, uh, salt, milk, eggs, and a half cup of melted butter. Now, uh, let's see, looking at these ingredients, uh, the cornmeal, obviously there, you want to use the the most prestigious cornmeal that you can find, ideally starting with whole corn. With the all-purpose flour, I mean, a good brand, you know, uh, what is it, P uh, not Peter Pan, <laughs> what's the other one, Robin Hood, Robin Hood flour, is that the one I'm thinking of? I don't know. Get yourself like a, a nice all-purpose flour. It doesn't have to specifically be bread flour. It doesn't have to be high-gluten flour. Just a good bread flour. Uh, the sugar, like I said, if you go to like use something like coconut sugar, um, that'd be great. Beet sugar is really good for things like this, but you can totally use granulated if you need to. Baking powder is baking powder is baking powder is baking powder, whatever. Salt, it's only a half a teaspoon of salt. I mean, you can use a really fancy salt if you want, but it's not going to do very much for it. Milk, 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 milk. Uh, so we just recently started getting milk from Linden Creek Dairy in South Hills, uh, south of Pittsburgh, north of Washington. And uh, it is incredible. You know, I've always been a fan of Brunton's milk, which comes in the glass bottles. But they're all the way up in Aliquippa, and that's, you know, they got to drive seven or eight days to and from <laughs> just to get milk. So we go to Linden Creek, and it is is wonderful. The milk is fantastic. It is so much better than, you know, your your grocery store milk. And so that's definitely, if you could, you could step it up with a really good milk. Um, eggs, you know, we have our chickens out there, so we have, like, the best eggs in the world. But, you know, use good eggs, whatever. And uh, melted butter, of course, you can step that up to something good, something maybe a, a European cultured butter. Um, keep it unsalted. Uh, just you, do, you only want the butter flavor. You don't want to add extra salt via the butter. But yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. If you just sort of like get the best version of each one of these ingredients, you will end up with some cornbread that is just like, wow, why is this cornbread so much better than all the other cornbreads? <laughs> all right, so what we're gonna do is start off by preheating your oven to 400 degrees. Now, you can use like a, a cake pan, a baking pan, something like, like an eight by eight or whatever, a brownie pan. Uh, if you have a 6, 8, 10, 12 would probably be too wide, 6-inch to 10-inch cast iron skillet, that would be ideal. That's what we made ours in. I think it was an 8-inch. It might have been 6-inch. I don't remember. But uh, cast iron is wonderful. If you're, if you're doing it in cast iron, I would highly recommend preheating the oven to 400 degrees with the cast iron pan in the oven you want that pan to be hot when we pour our cornbread batter into the pan if it's already up to temperature you're going to get like this pre-cooking uh almost like like i don't know it's not a sear but you're going to get this nice crispy crust on the bottom um 
that is uh, super fantastic. It was very good, very good. So anyway, yeah, preheat oven, 400 degrees, and get your, ideally, a cast iron pan, and, you know, get some oil in there. Get some, uh, you know, avocado oil or butter or whatever, you know, butter it up, grease up that pan real nice. Whole bunch. Don't be afraid. It's Thanksgiving. Come on. When was the last time you had cornbread? Last Thanksgiving? You can splurge. You're cool. All right, so get that going. One, if you're starting with whole corn, obviously you want to, you know, pulse that down into as fine a cornmeal as you can in the blender first, and then measure out one cup of the cornmeal. Um, but then once you have all these ingredients ready to go, combine everything in a bowl and mix it up with a whisk, but don't mix it too long. Basically, as soon as the consistency is even, and it's sort of like, oh, okay, this is all one thing all the way through. It's not like there's not big pockets of dry flour. There's not half an egg yolk over on this side of the bowl, whatever. Once it's mixed up, stop. Because you do have all-purpose flour in there. And the more you agitate that, the more you're going to be pulling those, those gluten um, proteins past each other, grinding them together. And they're going to be linking up and getting long and stretchy and everything else. And you don't want to like... You don't want a chewy pizza bread, stretchy kind of <laughs> cornbread. You want like you want it to be crumbly and everything. Um, so just bring it together, okay? And then use a spatula, use the whisk or whatever, and carefully, carefully, because that pan's hot. If you did it the way I'm telling you to do it, your pan is super duper hot. Uh, spatula that batter out into the pan and it, ideally it should be bubbling around the edges because there's moisture in this batter and it's going into a 400 degree cast iron pan with a bunch of super hot butter or oil in the bottom of it. It should start uh, simmering away there and bubbling around the edge. The edges might even curl up a little bit before you even get this into the oven. But then once, uh, once that's ready to go, back into that 400-degree oven for, uh, depending on the size of the thing, the bigger, so the bigger your baking vessel is, the thinner this batter is going to be distributed amongst it. So if you're using like a 10 by 10 uh, brownie pan or something like that, you're probably going to be looking at like 20 minutes of bake time if you're using like a six inch cast iron pan where it's real thick, um, thick meaning from the bottom of the cornbread to the top of the cornbread, you might be looking at more like 30, 35 minutes. So if you're using a norm, if you're using something in the neighborhood of eight inches, set, set the timer on the oven for 30 minutes. If you're using something wider and more shallow, go for 20 minutes and you can always add more time. You can't take time off. Right. So, uh, you know, I, the way to, to test this is, you know, after the time has elapsed, you stick the, stick the knife into the middle of the cornbread and slowly draw it out. And if the knife comes out clean, if it doesn't have a bunch of goo streaking along it, um, along the blade, then you're probably good to go take that out. Let that sit for, I don't know, half hour. You know, if you do it in cast iron, that's going to retain a lot of heat and it's going to sort of like radiate that heat into the kitchen, into the cornbread itself. It's going to do all this. It's going to continue cooking. It's going to uh, kind of settle into the pan a little bit. But yeah, tw uh, 20 to 30 minutes of rest time afterwards would be uh, fantastic. And then it's time 
to enjoy it. So that is my contribution to Thanksgiving week is to make some really good cornbread. All right. Drizzle some honey on there. Melt a little butter on it. Oh my God. Butter and corn. Is there a better combination? I don't think so. Talk to you guys next week.